You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Welcome, welcome. Grand Rising, everybody. Welcome to the David Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I want to welcome you to a terrific Tuesday. I'm so excited. I have another amazing person in the building today uh just starting the week off so well and, and it's it's funny because the two really actually they know each other well so i'm so excited that hassan is in the building today i'm going to be able to follow up with him about his journey the ways that he curates and the things that he is doing right now uh he is the head curator for an amazing exhibit at mohai uh you guys heard david and i talking about it yesterday around black architects and there are so many great works that we get to experience when we go check out all of the work that has happened for the built environment by amazing black architects and he has put together such a renowned exhibition uh, or exhibit right there at mohai so you guys are going to want to go and check that out but we'll be talking about all of that with hassan uh in in you know throughout this show he's going to be sharing with us his brilliance his journey we're going to be tapping into all of that of course y'all it is terrific tuesday and it is the top of the show so it's a great time to tag and share this stream right here go ahead tag and share the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on the day with trey if you can't watch us here on this amazing tv show no worries you can also listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast just search converge media network in the day with trey y'all will find me on google spotify itunes soundcloud apple music whatever one is your favorite you name it check for us y'all will find us there well as I've been saying this week, I mean, Converge has been out here pounding the pavement, really capturing amazing stories of folks who are doing great things out there in community and giving y'all opportunities to be exposed to some great businesses that you can go and support. Check out this one right here from Intentions Juice and Smoothie Bar. Hey, this is Marquita Evans welcoming you here to Intentions Juice and Smoothie Bar. Intentions is about making health easy for our community where you can come in and eat healthy and not feel guilty about it. We like to think we are the alternative to fast food. 2021, we switched to all organic. So we made sure that not only are we providing healthy options, they're organic, which is the best form of healthy. It's a place for our community. When I look at it at the end of the day, I wanted us to have a place where we felt safe coming in, talking about health issues, diabetes, a place where you can come in and have those conversations and know that that person is going to be able to understand you. There's a lack of judgment and more so looking to see you succeed in your health goals. When I say it's a space for community, because I have a brick and mortar, I open it to other small business owners to sell their products in here as well, where we have retail shelves where you can support not just intentions, but in addition, three, four other small businesses, small black owned businesses. My creation was the melanin. That has taken us by storm. It is oat milk, banana, and peanut butter with a little drizzle of some cinnamon on top. 
every month we feature a new artist of the month, which they can post, they can post their art on our walls free of charge. And we host an art night as well, where they um, can showcase their work to the community. So we open our doors for that. Currently we have Rodney, he's been here. This is maybe the third time that he's been here since we've opened in 2020. Um, we host Sip and Paints with Kay the Paint Lady. So she has it on lock every Saturday night. Kay comes out and has her team doing different themes, Sip and Paints. We host Spoken Word Poetry Nights, Poetry with Intention um, every last Wednesday of the month, which we started at the end of December. We are hosting singles, mingles, and everything just to create this space for our, our community. Not everyone can have a brick and mortar, but when you have such an open space and you open it to community, you're giving them a place to come together. Whether it's to mingle, to sit down and hang out, you're providing a space where they know they can come and be comfortable. I'm a Seattle girl, and so I've been living in Tacoma for almost 10 years now, and the support of this becoming my community now, I never thought Tacoma would be home, but the support when you open a business in Tacoma, Tacoma supports their people strong. So the support on South Tacoma Way has been extremely amazing, as well as the black community in the sense of when they see their people, they're like, oh, we're coming back, we're coming back. The first thing people say is, is this black owned? You own this? And I'm like, yeah, this is me. It's it provides that sense of community where you want to continue to come in to support. We are in the mode of expansion right now. Um, I kind of like to keep things quiet until they come to fruition, just so, you know, people can ride with you through it. But we're opening our second location in downtown Seattle, which is in the Yesler Terrace area, which is a huge thing for me. I look out the front doors and I see where I grew up and the school I used to attend. So it's really special to the heart. And we're gonna bring that same piece that we have out here, out there. So while we do have quite a few black owned businesses, brick and mortars in Seattle, we're gonna bring that healthy aspect to that area as well. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram, um, Intentions Juice and Smoothie Bar. If you're looking for our events, Events by Intentions on Instagram. And yes, we're right here at 5236 South Tacoma Way. Wow. Once again, another great space for us to go and become patrons of. Let's go be customers at Intentions Juice and, Juice and Smoothie Bar out there in Tacoma. Shout out to all of our folks in Tacoma who are watching right now on The Day with Trey, who keep supporting us here at Converge. We appreciate all of that amazing support. Love y'all for doing that. And just got to give a huge shout out to our Tacoma folks out there. Intentions Juice and Smoothie Bar for all of y'all who are in Tacoma and all of y'all who are all throughout Washington. If you haven't gone, please go check out Intentions Juice and Smoothie Bar. Let's support these amazing folks. And I want to say that it's a brilliant thing to see and witness and experience so many businesses who do have brick and mortar spaces saying that they're opening themselves up to other black vendors, other black products. The idea is that we can utilize our built environment to really create connection in an intentional and authentic way is exactly what I'm talking about is like the wave we all need to be on. So let's make sure we go and uh, support Intentions Juice and Smoothie Bar when you're looking for your next juice. 
that all things are organic right now. Go get healthy. Go get a great juice or smoothie from them. Well, I'm excited. After this short break, y'all, I get to have my dive in today with Hassan Kirkland, who is in the building. He's going to be telling us all about his journey. We'll learn more about this amazing exhibit that he has at Mohai. It was such a phenomenal exhibit, and I'm excited to hear more about his process right after this short break. Y'all stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. What's up, everybody? You know, me and Besa, my girl, we had to pull up to Market Street Shoes once again, y'all. And you know, we do this every season. We have to get the new shoes, the new boots. And this time, I even got a coat. Yeah, no, you did walk in without a coat. I really I'm did. glad you found one. But their boots were on point. Yes, the boots, the bags. I even grabbed a flannel. Yeah, you did. You know, and I was able to get some hats and everything. I was really impressed. And you know, I was impressed because, of course, I got those white boots that you guys see me wearing everywhere these days. Yeah, no, I, I look at your white boots and I'm like, darn it, they only have one pair. Me and Basie wear the same size. Of course, every time we walk out with several bags in hand. Several bags and sometimes even a backpack, you guys. Make sure you check out Market Street Shoes. Yeah, please check them out. where they go, Basa? Ooh, 2232 Northwest Market Street, Seattle, Washington. Pacific Northwest Ballet unveils Giselle. Ballet's classic tale of romance, betrayal, and immortal love. The New York Times calls it a triumph, comparable to an epic film. This stunning production is touched by magic. Order tickets now at pnb.org. Welcome back, everybody, to the David Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I'm excited because right now we got Hassan Kirkland in the building. That is right. I get to actually sit down and dive in deep with him. What's up, Hassan? How are you? What's going you? on, Trey? How are you? <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being here. You know, experiencing your work out in community, I was like, we got to have a deeper dive. Gotcha. I really want to hear about the beginnings because I think you do something that is really unique and special and probably has a very different kind of path that got you into this what what yeah. got you to this place just give us some of that from the beginning thank you for asking that um it's it's always something to be able to share that that journey uh that kind of brings you into the contextual light of how people become exposed to you for me it was always the arts i went to school at washington state university um, got my degree in arts, went back to graduate school, got my MFA in the arts. I'm also a professor. And so the, the heart of my career is being an educator, um, in studio pedagogy, I teach, uh, painting courses, drawing courses, art history courses, modern art courses, African American art study courses. So I really kind of steeped my career in being an educator. Um, what got me there? At WSU, white school, I was a black student in the arts. I wanted to be that black educator for yet the generation of young black artists who came to white schools. God had a different plan for me, took me to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was a professor at Johnson C. Smith University's HBC out there in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and that that kind of kind of got my feet wet in being an educator as well as being an artist. During that time, definitely connected and networked with Southeast artists um, that were from New York all the way down to Mississippi. Um, and being able to just develop the, the the pathway of being a visual artist and being an educator in the arts was uh, pivotal to inspire young artists who were at those institutions. 
my career continued to grow. Um, I started to touch some of the museum spaces uh, to being into gallery works. Uh, the mentor that I had at the time was B.E. Noel out of New York. Uh, in Charlotte, she showed me the ropes and she kind of gave me my first exposure to being inside the gallery space. That also led to opportunities that um, opened doors. The Mint Museum of, of Craft and Design in Charlotte, North Carolina was another museum that I was able to kind of touch uh, to begin to understand how museums work in contrast to how galleries work. Museums are about history, they're about education, they're about uh, the fortitude of what gets created as a historical path. Galleries are the business of which an artist needs to have if they want to become either a commercial artist or a gallery artist, or if they want their works uh, you know, appreciated in a different way. Both of them are valuable, both of them contribute to culture, both of them are created out of circumstantial functions that relate to the artist. But one has a path that's related to uh, creating this kind of precedent that we learn from historically. The other one creates the precedent of the business of art. Uh, when we see in museums, um, the artwork has a value. It is many times, sometimes priceless, uh, but that value is kind of the what we learn about, you know, when, when artists pass away, their art, their 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 um, estate and all of the, the context to what it is that they produce gets pushed away into that space. The gallerist is working like many of us to kind of grind uh, and to put forth the work and find galleries that celebrate the work and then turn over a coin in a readily pattern. And so with that kind of experience for me, it just it exposed me to it because I already had that background. I was born in Germany. My father was in the military. I got a chance to see the world from zero to 15, from Germany to England, to Paris, to Rome, uh, to be able to see the world uh, exposed me as a young black boy, not just to how to be creative, because I was very much interested in comic books and superheroes and doing graffiti and hip hop culture. But I also got a chance to expose myself to the Louvre and the Arc de Triomphe and being able to actually see the cathedrals and to recognize that the cultural differences for art is about understanding the pathway of humanity. And it's not that hip hop culture or graffiti work or commercial work is not one extension, but there's also the mirror of the world. There's also statues and there's also the context that's not just Eurocentric, but that are African in their origins uh, from the construction of uh, uh, buildings and the, the reality of infrastructures within cities. Um, those nuances became a part of how I see art. I don't just see it for the appreciation of what it looks like, but I also see beyond the art. And that's kind of what led me to be here and to be able to connect with Mohai and uh, the Northwest African American Museum, um, the arts culture here. Art is my bag and it's about how do I use what is either my purpose, my calling to kind of influence young minds, my own mind, uh, the mind of my community so that we can see beyond our, ex our, our experiences through art, um, but then also with the voice of ourselves, um, you know, beyond our situations. And so that's kind of what got me here. Wow. I mean, yeah. it's such a, a great way to, to just listen and hear all of those different points mm. of, you know, context in terms of how you uh, see art now. And I can only imagine, too, that, you know, I think I experienced it in the exhibit, mm. you know, you as a professor, 
you know, this this uh, need to educate mm-hmm. through the art form and understanding that the built environment is its own art form, right? That's Architecture, right. this exhibit that that that's there right now at Mohai, it's really about really in understanding that very thing, you yeah. know, that the built environment has its own form of art, and there's so much that goes into creating, mm-hmm. you know, and building a building that we have to understand the value yeah. of the those who are have been paving the way, you know, and it, it gave such a great historical context. I wanted to say to you, I really appreciated that you started with the pyramids, right? Mm. Uh, a lot of folks, there's been so much out there about, oh, you know, they could have never done this. You know, they, they had to have alien help. I mean, you just, <laughs> you you see all of these things now with the internet, the mm-hmm. information's all over the place. Indeed. But I got to really watch a documentary. It's about three hours long okay. that talked about the building of the pyramids. And I was so astonished at how they t- used uh, a drop of water as their first unit of measure to then build what we know of today as, you know, inches and centimeters and all these mm-hmm. things. But it started with a drop of water because what they realized then was that the drop of water, no matter what, it was like the same size. Mm-hmm. So they started from there and built it out. And then the idea is that they were so smart to understand in order to build these monstrous structures that were just enormous Mm -hmm. and had there was nothing like it at the time. They needed to start with one unit. Mm -hmm. Right. How are they going to build that unit and replicate how they build that unit? And so it was just a beautiful story to learn, you know, how they created a mold, you know, poured the the cement into that mold, moved from one mold to another, had hundreds of folks working on these pyramids and and literally leveled them up one layer at a time. Mm. Um, So the ideas of like, oh, they could never move that concrete. They could have never did this or that. I really appreciated (laughs) that you started there. Uh, You know, guide us through your process. As you said, you know, I'm going to I know it's important to mention the pyramids and start Mm -hmm. there, but it goes through so many different amazing black architects yeah. who have really led and added uh, to this entire spectrum of architecture that we see around the world. Indeed. Tell us some of that process. You know, that's a really a, a great point of perspective, um, you know, and, and not to take any of the kind of origin credit, uh, the Chicago Museum of Science and in- Innovation or industry out there in Chicago, they packaged the entirety of the show minus the Seattle experience and the experience within Mohai. Mm-hmm. And so just as that reference point, but nonetheless, even their thoughts in the process of organizing the content, um, it is hard and it is a mistaken thought, I would imagine that anybody who would think to recognize black architecture would omit the pyramids mm-hmm. uh, as an architectural structure from the pyramids to the ziggurats to the realities of what was created in Mesopotamia uh, to uh, aqueducts to agricultural lanes that developed canals. Um, the, the, the function of what was harnessed in Africa from mathematics to the construction of buildings and the, the reality about how cities were created. The, the notion of that, when we understand the polis or the city uh, the, the metropolis developments that Egypt kind, well, not Egypt, but, um, Italy and Rome would take their architectural structures, their mathematical functions were taken from Egypt. So it, it is, is a hard stretch to think that you could start without including the pyramids. And so I would imagine that those individuals, curators or the researchers, when they were 
comprising the architectural show, they had to start there. My process then comes in, once I get the sense of this traveling show, I see the content. Now, until I open the box contextually to see what it is that Chicago has sent us and to see what it was that Mohai wants me to arrange, because I was hired and contracted through Mohai, um, it is for me to begin to understand what's the story that they were trying to tell that we're going to embellish with the reality of Seattle and how are we inside of our space going to see it, not only for the context and reading of it, but the visual experience, the actual movability and the flow experience, and then also the creativeness to recognize that this building also needs to be a part of the show. Even though Mohai, and I don't know the architect's name, so forgive me for that, but the building is still an architectural add to this show. So as a visual artist, I'm also an artist myself and an educator and curator and so on and so forth. So for me, my process is to incorporate a visual experience, to incorporate a human experience, to incorporate these learning functions from reading to tactile to how I observe the space to how I feel in the space. The kinesthetic function about how I move is important. We all know when you go into a subway, uh, there's a big difference between a crowded subway and a subway that allows you to stretch out. When you got room, you start feeling your experience is different. Well, for me, the gallery space is much like uh, a, a dance, if you will. There has to be room for you to move so you can enjoy what it is that you're either going to read or see or touch. So my process was recognizing the flow. Uh, when you go into the museum and you go into that particular gallery space, there are windows that prior to this show were blocked off. And I was like, it is important that I get those windows open because architecture, black architecture is in the skyline. And it's mm -hmm. like, how can we have a show that keeps us from seeing that which we're talking about specifically, which is here in Seattle. And so the, the process was like, got to open the windows up. We got to figure out what sidelines are going to work. How is my flow going to speak? How are the context of what we're going to read relate to what they're going to see, relate to what images? Because images, as we know, speak a thousand words. So when you can speak a thousand words about a black architectural structure like the Samuel E. Kelly on University of Washington's building, uh, when you start to recognize that, yo, this building was built by somebody black, and you start thinking about the transit system was built by somebody black, and so I think about this building. So you start to add faces and names to the structures that you see almost every day, depending on where you are in the city. And when you begin to learn that, that opens you up to say, what else don't I know? And what else can I learn? And when you learn that, you start to get this empowerment and this relationship that, you know, it's not a secret anymore. These buildings are beautiful to the site, but they're also beautiful to the mind when we learn about what it took for African-Americans to even get into architecture. Because getting into architecture is, yes, it's an industry, but you begin to create a statement for the state, for the city to say, hey, this is not just a business. Because when you make a building, it's hard to get rid of a building. Mm -hmm. It's hard to just do away with it. You might close the shop down, but the building is still there. The reality of that impart to the city, to the state, is hard to omit the presence of Black if you know who it is. That's a part of why this exhibit is so very powerful is because it pulls back the wool to say, hey, look, your skyline was touched by these African-American men and women who helped to create what you see every day. And a part of what you see is a part of your experiences because these buildings, they're not five years old. Some of them are 50 years old. Some of them are 60 years old. And to have that relationship, that becomes an empowering function for new generations, for understood. So for me, the process is how do I deliver that message? 
How do I make that happen? How do I make that inclusive at the same time, make it inviting and interesting so that it's not just like another old uh, work of content that you're going to read about, but actually a life and, a, an, and an energy source that's related to how we see and how we live in the city. Yeah, well, yeah. It, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it was it's really felt mm. right. The intentionality behind the flow, the movement of it. It was great to see that it wasn't just, you know, us reading about history. It was yeah. also let's look at what a model looks like. Let's be, you know, interactive yeah. in this. Let's build my own house. Let me see this, you know, amazing interview with Rico Kinadongo yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah, you know, yeah. right. Uh, also, I saw a piece from Converge. I mm -hmm, love that because I'm mm -hmm. like, what Converge Media is here, uh, you know, as we were talking talking about again yeah. the built environment and some of these amazing structures that are around us in the history of those buildings True. as well so it just it it really does flow really well i mean when you think about your your inspirations mm. right um not just for this show but overall you know you bring a lot to the table obviously well, and so how do you, your inspirations really influence the way that you you know strategize about your approach to curating to art to mm -hmm. you know being you know in front of a classroom and giving a lecture uh, to students how, how do your inspirations influence you yeah that's another great question Trey man i'm telling you i i i take a page out of uh Issa ray's book uh when she wore the shirt that i'm voting for everything black uh, a lot of the inspiration that i have is you know recognizing the contributions of african americans um first and foremost is homegrown it's my mom and my daddy my brother um big shout out to my brother uh dr kipshoki kirkland uh, my legacy continues uh, but then it's my father, Raymond E. Kirkland, you know, my mother, Paulette Kirkland. It is about recognizing what pathway that they have shared with me that inspires me to then contribute. My father being the minister is like, uh, understand that your presence is important, but your contributions even the more. And that what you do in service is what's going to elevate your, your reality is about what you can do to help others, what you can do to contribute rather than what they can do for yourself. So for me, I'm inspired by being able to serve uh, being able to to tell the stories, not only just of myself to be seen, but to recognize that the big picture is not an individual story. It is a collective story we were sharing earlier. It is about building that that web and that netting of who is in your network. Now, granted, there could be some white folks. It could be some Asian folks. It could be some whatever folks that are part of your story. And it's important that they are also included. But when you start from your own day one, when I put my clothes on, put my step out, they see a black man. And that's the story that inspires me is to recognize how, not just how I can be seen, but how others like me can be seen. We're still fighting this fight. We still see the news. We still what's going on in the streets. We still have to contend with that pressure and that taxation that really shouldn't really be our taxation. It should be those who have caused the taxation because the, the notion of what we're doing is not really that we're causing it. We are the response of it. And so what inspires me is to, to be able to open those doors, to, to be able to educate and inspire through my artwork or through my education or through my spoken word to speak and to kind of share this dialogue so that there's not just a bunch of talking, but also a bunch of acting in a sense of executing on the things that we actually speak about. So that's what inspires me to put in work. I have children, my wife, family, you know, they're watching. My babies are watching, you know, and, and I've had in a sense of connected with 
this uh, this this uh, experience of being observed from students, um, and they're watching me. You know, from afar, they, I've got students now that are you know grown folks, and they still look out. PK, I see you doing your thing. Keep shining, boy. My son, look up. Daddy, you going to work today? Yeah, we got to get it. You know, so it's about inspiring those who are observing you, so that you contribute to create a legacy, even for them to follow. So that's what kind of gets me going. Oh well, I'll <laughs> tell you this: you are necessary. Thank you for <laughs> well, being that you. intentional about thank it. You. you know, I. I think for almost any parent, uh, you know, I agree. And for me, I'm always talking about my sons as my guiding light. And it's just true. There's so much that I'm looking to do to accomplish because of where particularly our people as, as black folks, we're where we are and where we need to be. And, you know, understanding that there's so many things that need to change in order for some ways to open up in that mm-hmm. regard. But as long as we're intentional about the energy that I'm giving and utilizing my life force to do that, yeah. eventually we will get there. So it's a brilliant thing to hear uh, all that that you share. When you, when you think about some of the things that, you know, I, I was asking Damon this, and I want to ask you too, this is really important for me to understand because art is very specific, mm. but a lot of times, you know, people have to find the value of it. Um, when you're thinking about creating a career for yourself, for yourself, when you were at Wazoo, mm-hmm. you know, with Damon, he shared with mm-hmm. us, y'all were there together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing art and it was, uh, you know, you're in a white institution, but yet you have this mentality of like, yo, let me connect with this legacy of amazing black art. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about young folks who really need that, what are some of the things you may say to some of your students who find, you know, those roadblocks or maybe some others who may find those roadblocks? What are some some ideas and tips yeah. you can give them in that regard? Wow. Um, you know, definitely shout out to Damon Brown, Creative Lou. That's my guy. We, we've been in it for a minute and it is a true joy uh, to know that he has contextually made it. Um, and to be there with him, um, to know where we have come from, uh, from those, those 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 classrooms at WSU, um, there wasn't a lot of influence, you know, and there wasn't a lot of support for young black men to see themselves in the future. Um, and so to your question, it is about understanding the roadblocks, understanding the, the ways, the wayfinding, um, and understanding the, the support of mentorship and guidance um, that, that, you know, any young person would need, um, specifically a young black artist uh, who is coming up into the desires of connecting with a, a career in the arts uh, and the nuances of the arts industry, and then also being able to make the proper moves. The thought about what to tell them is really the first of it is just real talk. Like, are you sure? Because it ain't easy. And, you know, you may grow and hear the starving artist adage. Artists starve because it's hard to turn a coin because your career is built on the subjectivity of the person buying. It is a very finicky functionality. And so when you are betwixt between the notion of becoming an artist and doing your own thing and then eating, then that means that your art becomes the extension of somebody else's desires. That means that you have to do what they want. And I'm sure Damon probably spoke about that in his industry where he does a lot of corporate work and commercial work. That's not really his voice, but he's an expert at doing it. But that's the challenge that many artists have to go. So my route, um, like Damon, coming out of an educational environment, we both have degrees, if you will, and not to speak about his his legacy, but just knowing that we are college degree artists and developing our craft 
comes at a cost and a choice because we have to choose, do I want to go into my passion, my passion projects, my purpose? If I do, then it makes it a harder hope to actually connect it because now if I have a family, if I have children, if I have a life or a lifestyle that I want to live, then I got to make it work. Through my career and through the realities, what I would share is do the work so that you can do the work you want. But be selective about how you move, because once you become conditioned into the things that are asked of you, if you never get to follow your own path then you're following someone else's path and that's challenging. So you have to be ready. You have to be certain. Um, you have to be clear that you want to give yourself over to the arts. What you'll usually find is that people go into their own separate industries and then they'll come back to the arts after they have money, which seemingly is smart because now I have a cushion. I have a safety net. If you don't do that, then you have to be prepared to know that the finickiness of the world is never going to always choose you. So you got to be prepared. All your skills, all your abilities, they're going to be hot one day and the next day they're not based on the people that says they're hot. So even though you got it in you, you have to understand that that's a challenge for the visual art industry. It's not the music industry. It's not the, the film industry. It's not the TV industry. But each industry has its hoops and it has its ups and downs. And for the visual art uh, industry, you have to really be prepared to find your area, find your safeguard, find your net to keep you from starving so that you can work. And if you find that space and you do the work, do the work. You can't talk it and not walk it. You got to work. And if you pull back any artist who's worth their salt, you will see a lot of blood, sweat and tears. You'll see a lot of journey through what's in them to produce. And if they are ever on the carpet, if you will, if they ever get called to the seat, best believe they not know overnight happenstance. They've had to work to get there. So what I would share with young artists, um, do your work, do your homework. Be humble to the path, but stay on your path so you know that you can produce. I'll never forget uh, a cat told me about 30 years ago, he was like, you just scratching the surface. And back in that time, I mean, it seems daunting to know. I thought I was doing work. I thought I was grinding it like young blood. You just scratching. But if you keep digging, you're going to be there. And so that was an encouragement to let me know it's OK to scratch the surface because that's you're going in your direction. You got to scratch to break the ground. You got to scratch at it. Once you scratch long enough, then you'll get down into the meat of it. Then you get to the fertile soil for things to grow from your action. But you got to be willing to put in the work. That's the main thing. Put the work wow. in. Wow. Hassan <laughs> Kirkland, this is such a pleasure. We could probably talk for a whole indeed, hour. Indeed. Uh, you know, honestly, I really appreciate you stopping by the yeah. David Trey, coming to our Black Media Matters indeed, studios. I love it. I love uh, it. You know, this is really, it's been so inspiring for me Teach. to hear your story. Uh, thank you so much. Of course, I got to give you time. You know, no folks doubt. are looking to connect if they want to come out see yeah. the ex exhibit at Mohai uh, look right there in that camera let them know how they connect with you Matt definitely first and foremost I'm on Instagram it is um, gallery underscore of underscore one gallery of one uh, you can find me you can see some of the clips and things that I'm involved in my website is my name uh, www Hassan H-A-S-A-N 
kirkland.com. That's hassankirkland.com. You can find what I do. I'm also a professor. Uh, I teach at Seattle University and Seattle Central. Um, and I'm also working on my doctorate at the University of Washington in the College of Ed. And you can catch me in those individual areas, either teaching classes or discussing art uh, or teaching the functions of uh, education and understanding the experience with education and the arts based on arts-based pedagogy and how it liberates the learning and the teaching spaces. And so Glad to catch you. Also, please go out and check out the exhibit uh, from the ground up. Black architects and designers at Moha. It opened here uh, just recently, February 4th, and it runs to April 30th. And you can see some of the things that I like to do uh, in the messaging in the story about uh, many times you uh, and your environment. So this one is about black architects. So come and check it out. But definitely be glad to see you connect. We'd love to talk. Chop it up with you. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Hassan. Thank this you. has been such a real pleasure. Appreciate you. you so much. I appreciate it well. Wow. I told y'all it was going to be a terrific Tuesday. It definitely is. Of course, I get to wrap all of this up right after this short break. Stay tuned, y'all. You're watching The David Trey. Welcome back, everybody, to The David Trey. Oh, I'm your host, Trey Holiday. What a great, terrific Tuesday. I want to thank, of course, Hassan Kirkland for being in the building and bringing his brilliance to bear right here uh, on my set on this couch with me. It was so beautiful to hear his inspiration, his influences. And you guys actually have the opportunity to go check out his work. All of y'all out there, go check out his work uh, right now at uh, Mohai from the ground up, the Black Architects exhibit. It's just phenomenal to learn that history. And as he said, connect with him in all the other ways. I want to thank y'all for watching. But of course, I want to thank him for providing some inspiration for us today. You know, I'm always inspired by the guests here. And Hassan really brought it home today in terms of, you know, how we utilize, uh, you know, our circle of influences, our built environment, uh, the people around us to help inspire and influence us to become what we're supposed to become. And Hassan said, I, look, I'm going to take, uh, you know, all of this and make something with it and stick with it. And he kept digging and kept going down deeper into other layers so that he could bring all of his brilliance out for all of us. And of course, for me, that's inspiring. It should be inspiring for all of you. But if it's not, that's all right. I'm asking you to be inspired, uh, not just by his story, but by what you all uh, are experiencing out there in the world as you make connections, as you build with community members. You know, be inspired, y'all, when you all do the work to see yourself as a part of the solution. I promise you, we are all the better for it. Um, so please be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution. Of course, you can also check out more inspiration by going to BSA, bhswa.org. Uh, make sure you all check that out. Uh, every day we are dropping another legacy, another bit of inspiration for all of you on this Black History Month. And for me, until tomorrow at 11 a.m., y'all. <laughs> Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.